G'day guys, welcome to another episode of COVID Convos where we have real conversations with real people about what wellbeing looks like in a pandemic. My name's Griggsy um, and I'm here with Kesh, uh, a purple Kesh today. Uh, how are you mate? I'm, I'm getting more and more professional as we go along my friend, yeah. <laughs> but I'm doing all right. Well, well the purple background makes up for no Simon today. Um, so, uh, it's, it's given me a bit of something to get going in the morning. Although something that's got me even more excited is to chat with our, our guest today. And that's, uh, Lisa Baker. How are you, Lisa? I'm good. Thank you. Feeling good. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us. Do you want to, um, start by just giving our guests a little bit of a background on who you are, um, so we can familiarize ourselves with you? Sure. Well, I guess like a lot of people, I wear many hats primarily and to my absolute core i'm an early childhood educator so i'm a kindergarten teacher and have been for over 30 years so on any given day you'll find me up to my armpits in three-year-olds and i'm pretty short so they do come up to my armpits so i guess that's that's the core of me but um in recent years i've uh, moved into other areas as well. I recently undertook the, the MAP, the Masters of Applied Positive Psychology at Melbourne Uni. So I now use that in my life and in my work too. I'm a senior associate with the Positivity Institute in Sydney with Dr. Susie Green, so some occasional um, work there. I'm also uh, working with the um, Wellbeing Literacy and Language Research Stream at the Centre for Positive Psychology at Melbourne Uni. Um, and also through the Centre for Positive Psychology, I'm a marker and a mentor into the MAP program as well. So those things keep my brain ticking along. Um, as well as being a teacher, I'm also a learner. I'm studying at the moment uh, through Melbourne Uni studying education, research, design and methodology with a, a view to move to a PhD. So a lot of those things keep me busy. And uh, when I'm not busy doing those things, I'm a wife and a mother, and I've got two beautiful Burmese cats. So that pretty much covers me. <laughs> wow, that is a very, very a full basket that you've got there, Lisa. Um, can yes, I say- cats keep me very busy. Well, I was going to say, um, as somebody with two young children, I take my hats off or take my hat off, just one, um, don't have that many, to you and all the early um, childhood educators because I think mm -hmm. a lot of parents right now are probably realising how hard it is. Well, I've, I've always realised how hard it was because you just walk into uh, childcare or an early learning centre and, and you see the, the sort of the work that's being done and you just think I, I personally i teach but i i could not i could not work with young children with the compassion and the energy that so many people do so i i take my hat off to you and to all all the people who work in in that industry and i know that that industry is being um well it's an interesting in an interesting place right now in australia isn't it um so i guess what my first question is how are you seeing the whole um situation the covid situation relating to you don't need to just talk about early childhood educators, but relating to your life. 
I guess, um, I guess it is affecting both areas of my life, like everybody else, my work life and my, my personal life. I think probably um, the work life at the moment is it's quite um, unsure. We are, unlike schools, we haven't been moved to online learning. So in early childhood education, so that's uh, working with children from zero to six, um, centres are still open. Early childhood educators have been declared essential workers. So we are still going in to work directly with children. So there's a lot of areas to be covered in that regard. How do we distance from children when that goes so against the philosophy and, and the very nature of early childhood education and that's to be uh, close and working alongside and with children. There's a lot of conversation in the sector about how do we make that happen. Um, personally for me we have decided to run a dual learning program so the parents who wish to bring their children in will be offering a physical face-to-face -face program and the parents who wish to have their children stay at home were offering an online learning platform and that's for three and four and five-year-olds. So my week now, whereas before I would be in with the children um, all day, um, I'm now in with some children, five children one day and then the next day working from home online with the other 15 children who have, whose parents have decided to stay home. So it's a really, uh, interesting space because we're partly there and partly not there and trying to do two things at once and just trying to do our best mm -hmm. with our ultimate mm -hmm. underlying intention of keeping that connection with the children even if it's not in a physical sense if it's a digital connection mm -hmm. but just really trying to keep those bonds and relationships strong mm -hmm. so that when this is over and we can come back to be together physically, um, we can do so. Yeah, it's um, it's a very interesting time. I mean, um, we've spoken about it a lot because um, we're over here in Belgium, and and our the childcare and the the school that my daughter was going to, um, they're both shut. So we've talked about um, like what will happen when we do go back to Australia. Will it be open? Um, how many months will we be with the with, with the kids um, mm. because uh, there's obviously beyond the the enjoyment of spending time with your kids there are a lot of logistical issues that start to come up for, for a lot of parents i guess not uh, this question is more for people who are outside of australia but what is the, the the current ruling is it that people are allowed to go if they want to or is it only if they're in emergency services what's what's the situation there so in Australia, well, it's uh, state by state, obviously. The states have their own um, ability to make rulings. So I'm in Victoria and um, in the education sector in Victoria, schools for the whole term are move, have moved online. Most universities have moved online too, um, I think. But early childhood, early education is operated by, by different um, government departments than primary school and secondary school and they haven't been uh, closed so they're as I said declared as essential workers and so we are staying open and although that families are encouraged to stay at home if they can stay at home and to work from home if they can work from home 
we will stay open and available to parents who need that care and education for children. If, for example, they are um, in emergency services or health workers or uh, any work really. So we're there for them in that way. And I guess I kind of view it, it's a bit like the time where you go, it's not what the country can do for me, it's what can I do for my country. Um, and I feel as an early childhood educator, I can be there. I can be there for children who might be vulnerable and be better in an early childhood service than being at home or being in an early childhood service so their parents can go and be in an ER. I just feel it's something that I can do in a small way to contribute to how we all move through this. But it is interesting you were talking about uh, being a parent at home. I think we're asking so much of parents at the moment. We're asking you to be a parent, to be a teacher, and also to be an employee all at once from the same space. And I don't know how parents are doing that. My children are 18 and 20, so I don't have to, don't have to entertain them. But for people who are trying to work from home, supervise online learning for their children and just find some time for themselves. I think it's a really, really tricky time. Um, Lisa, I'm curious because you obviously wear many, many hats and mm -hmm. I can imagine that that's coming in handy right now. What are you drawing upon? What are you, uh, what out of all of the things that you're involved in seems to be making sense or helping the most at the moment? I think for me personally, uh, mindfulness is a big part of my day and my week and not so much the formal seated practice or although I do do that meditation style every day, it's more about keeping my mind in the here and now. It's very easy to start worrying about what might be going to happen and for my mind to end up in next week or next month or next year and also for my mind to go back and ruminate over what's happened before. I wish I'd known this, I wish I'd done that. So for me, being present, being where I am and using that skill that I'm working on to keep my mind in this space, in the present, non-judgmentally and on purpose. So I think that's something that really contributes to my well-being is not letting those monkeys in my mind go swinging from tree to tree um and take me to places i don't need to go so being grounded in that way is really important for me personally i'm curious that's um sorry kesh go for it mate oh i was going to say that's um right now lisa my um you've, you've just described you've just described my mind um it's like the jungle book i mm -hmm. mean there's monkeys there's monkeys going all over the joint yeah. so um it, it's a it's a good reminder because i think part of you needs to be thinking a little bit about the future but the idea of, of what you're saying is that's a conscious decision it's not just a like you know you can really get sucked into that mode of of just constantly like slipping into what's going to happen here what's going to happen here um sorry kesh i did cut you off mate what, you, what were you going to say yeah i was just going to build on that because exactly the same sort of thing I, I have noticed in my own brain that the monkeys are a little bit wilder than usual and um I've been giving them time to run around. So, you know, besides seated practice, going on walks and on the walks, having something that I'm focusing on, but letting the brain go and noticing that and then bringing it back. I'm wondering, Lise, 
if you have any particular tools or tricks that you use to bring the mind back or you know help you focus on right now um i think it's probably just a skill that i'm developing i do i do use the breath that's my most common anchor that i will bring myself back into my body physically with my breath in regards to um, what the tips are i think it's about learning to recognize in yourself when those monkeys have taken you off somewhere else and just bringing them back just persistence bringing them back going okay i actually don't have to think about that now come back to where i am be in this moment and I'm also questioning, asking myself the question, um, is this in my control? Because there are a lot of things that I do worry about that really ultimately are not in my control. So I just ask myself, is that in my control? And if it's not, I can't really spend time worrying about that. Um, so if it's not in my control, um, I try to not think about it. And also just asking myself, is this helping me or is this harming me? Because you said sometimes, Kesh, you do let your mind wander off and that's great. We do need to let our minds run around sometimes and sometimes that does help us. We come up with some really creative ideas and some alternate solutions and, and some of that daydreaming can actually be quite lovely and that's helpful. But asking yourself, is this helping me or is this harming me? Because often we do go off on these thought tangents that really are can be quite harmful. Lisa, I'm interested uh, about your your work with um, with combining that well-being approach um, to uh, your to early learning because I know it's it's become very mainstream in in primary and secondary schools now in Australia, or more mainstream, I should say. Um, what are the things that you've you've sort of discovered about uh, early learning that may be able to be used now by parents? I guess in at home any strategies that maybe you can suggest um i'm personally very interested in this question um it is interesting because australia has really taken up positive education the application of positive psychology to education australia is a big front runner in that regard but still in early education it's not so not so taken up um, some of the research I've done looking at how it's been utilised in early childhood has shown that even though there's lots of applicable ways and lots of synergies that it's not really being taken up so we've just sort of carved a bit of our own path in regards to how we can apply positive education positive psychology to early childhood I think one of the um, perhaps easiest uh, lenses to look through is the idea of strengths particularly for parents, it's very easy for us to catch our children being bad. We need to try and catch our children being good. And it's very easy to um, focus on what they can't do or shouldn't be doing, but try and focus on what they can do and, and talk about their strengths and look at what they're doing through their strengths. Um, for example, um, I've got a child at the moment who particularly loves to build buildings, but then he wants to crash them down all the time. And the first approach is to say, stop crashing the building down. But looking at him through his strengths, he's a real engineer and really creative. And he is just as engaged by the sounds and the physical process of the deconstruction as the construction. So it's looking at your children and going, okay, what you're doing right now is pushing my buttons or annoying me but what actual strengths 
are you showing me now? Are you showing me your strength in, um, in creativity or in, in kindness or in um, bravery? So it's looking at the children through the length of, of their strengths. Um, and we do that a lot in our classrooms and we use character strengths, but we call them our superpowers. Mm -hmm. uh, it's looking at what superpowers does your child have and are they using them for good or for evil? <laughs> Lise, I'm curious because you said that you were like looking into doing a PhD and people that are looking into doing a PhD generally have a question that they want answered. What, what's um, inspiring that? What are you interested in? And has that changed with COVID or do you think that it's even more applicable now? Oh, well, first question first. I'm interested in wellbeing literacy. So that's part of the research stream I'm with, and that's the work of Professor Lindsay Odes. And it's about um, the mindful use of language for and about wellbeing. So it's a, it's a new, um, well, not new, it's bringing together the theories of, of literacy and of wellbeing, but posing it as we're looking at how and why people use their everyday language in their everyday lives um, and how they can leverage that for their own well-being. So because it's quite um, a new area, it's certainly not applicable, applied in early childhood yet, perhaps not applied intentionally. There's lots of ways that early childhood educators are very naturally helping children build their comprehension and their composition of language uh, to build well-being. But I guess for me, my question is, uh, how does well-being literacy look in early childhood? What are early childhood's early childhood educators' conceptualizations of well-being literacy? How can we use that to build capability in young children? What are we already doing that that is well-being literacy that we perhaps haven't necessarily identified? So it's a, it's um, a big piece, and my research question is still quite big and it's a matter of perhaps narrowing that down, um, but it's about uh, the conceptualization of wellbeing literacy in early childhood. I really am intrigued by this idea because I think it is so fundamentally important. Um, I'm not hiding it, my past is a bit checkered and I honestly didn't believe that I had any redeeming qualities whatsoever. Like if someone asked me what my strengths were, like I had no response. It was you know, I, I couldn't give them an answer. Um, and then I did the VIA and I remember what a different experience that was, knowing that the language of 24 strengths and even that I had some that were higher than others was just a life-changing moment in the way that I approached the world. Um, being able to call out my partner's strengths so my partner is a little bit assertive. Um, and sometimes that can become across as blunt but it's courage and she always has the courage to say what she thinks and to do the right thing, even if it means giving a cost to people. But without that language, people can't see that strength. And um, I think that it's so important because it changes the way that you look at the world. It changes what you're able to see, it changes what you're able to pick up on, right? And then you're able to act on it. We are like fish in water. Fish don't know they're in water. We don't realise we're in language. We are swimming in language all of the time and it shapes our reality and it forms our relationships and um, it's, it can be a really important lever for our well-being. and a lot of people perhaps don't realise that the power 
of words. We think of improving our well-being through physical activity or perhaps mindfulness, um, managing our energy and our diet and our sleep and all those sort of things. But being really conscious about our language, the power of our words, is uh, how possible biggest, to shape our well-being. Mm. Sorry, Lisa. One of the biggest um, key examples right now is the language around social distancing versus physical oh, distancing. Like, what an yeah. amazing example of the importance mm. of language for well-being yeah. and the consequences so, of getting it wrong. Yes, and I, I've um, had quite a few uh, posts on LinkedIn about this, where I've been pushing for physical distancing and social connection, mm. not not social distancing because that's so wrong that's the last thing we need we don't need socialized social isolation at this point in time we need social connection um, and I think there is a lot of language around at the moment that is affecting people we talk about being stuck at home we need to just uh, reframe that and say I'm safe at home and I'm not physically not socially distanced I'm physically distanced and the whole war narrative is something that really bothers me at the moment too that we're talking about people being on the front line and that um, we're in battle and and I don't know about you but I some of that language starts to weigh really heavily on me and I think that's where I that mindful use of language and think hang on how is this affecting me tuning into how that language is affecting me and again, thinking, is this helping me or is this harming me? And how can we reframe some of our language for it to be more beneficial than to drag us down at this time? Yeah, I think, I think you're spot on there, Lisa. I think um, uh, when we spoke to Paul over in New Zealand, he spoke about um, it being a home holiday or something like that mm. rather than a lockdown. And yes. you, can, you can immediately, like, immediately feel like oh yeah home holiday like it brings a smile to your face versus yeah. quarantine or isolation you're like oh you know i feel like i'm a bit in prison so it's you know on the surface it might some people might be a bit skeptical about oh it's just words whatever but like you can see that difference immediately when you when you actually give examples like that mm -hmm. so um I think it's I think it's huge what you're doing, and I'd be very interested to see how you how you go about it because it's so big. Like you said, um, I guess it's a question of narrowing it down. Um, That'll be the job of the supervisors if someone's prepared to take me on at some point in time. <laughs> I'm sure somebody will. With um, with I mean, it's so important, such an important um, stage in in everyone's life. I think we've we've worked that out. So yes. I think um, I hope I hope somebody's listening and somebody will be interested. Um, Lisa, I'm just wondering if, if, you've, um, if you've got anything uh, that you wanted to say that we haven't yet spoken about as we're sort of winding down. Um, I guess uh, the things that are important to me are those ideas of being aware of our, our words, aware of our language and what effect that can have on us. And also what we're hearing all the time, this repetitive narrative, which can be quite negative knowing that we have the power within ourselves to reframe that language and to reframe our thinking and to reframe what we're telling ourselves because those repetitive thoughts and messages that we tell ourselves, we, they become a reality. So I guess to ask people to be a little bit mindful when there's uh, words playing out in their head or that they're hearing them a lot just to lean into that feeling and go, actually, do I need to be listening to this? I dare not say, do I need to be listening to this podcast? Do I need to be listening to this news 
real or do I need to be reading that article or is this person that I'm talking to or listening to maybe um, changing my thinking? We do have the power to change that ourselves. Our, uh, the power of words, that idea that um, words create worlds, yeah. I think is really important. And I, I want to point out to our listeners, we, we are not above criticism. If we're not helping you, turn us off. Turn us off. <laughs> we, believe in, we believe in the message uh, more than uh, the, our, our, our likes or shares. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. And I even felt myself, I said, we're winding down. I even felt myself like wind down as I said that. <laughs> so I'm becoming more and more conscious of already just by talking about this um lisa so you've given me benefit and hopefully uh hopefully that'll be the same for other for our listeners we really appreciate your time today thanks so much for sharing your your thoughts with us and um and all the best to you and your family in this um interesting time indeed and to you too thanks kesh thanks grixie okay guys thank you so much for tuning in um as always we request that you share like and subscribe and in the meantime you stay healthy world <laughs>